This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we review Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Geek boner. Plus, the Directors Guild of America reaches a deal while the writer's strike continues. The Rock announces his return to the Fast and Furious franchise. The Flash movie has free early screenings this week across the country. We got another frontrunner for James Gunn's Superman and more all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, June 5th. 2023. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and you're listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Why? I don't know. Check. Check one. All right. This is Roy Fans out there. Let's give it up. Hey, what's happening, listener? Thanks for pressing play, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's a nerd. And joining us, uh, Dan Slott's most recent creation, it's Slackhole Spider-Man, otherwise known as Rugs Morales. Hi, Rugs. Wrong again, Imran. It's your pal Stan Lee. Oh. Excelsior. Never forget the original creator of Spider-Man. Yes, I'm here to comment on this new Spider-Man movie. Stan, what do you think about the new Spider-Man movie? It's got Spider-Man in it. <laughs> it's got all- I love Spider-Man. Oh, what do you think about Dan Slott's work, Stan Lee? Uh, see, he's got a slot and a rug's got a slack hole. I prefer the hole <laughs> than the slot every day. Uh, okay. Yes. Uh, here's the real Stanley. I want your head up when I throw my fist in the air. That's right. That's right. That's Wait, where I want happens? your hand. <laughs> I want your hand in the air. Oh, here's some more. When you Excelsior. Hold That's on. Fucking right. fantastic. Yes, fucking fantastic. Yeah, fucking, fucking fantastic. fantastic. I mean, Stanley swearing is gold. How can you not love Stanley swearing? Never heard the man swear. Sure. Uh, I'm going to do the whole thing as Stanley. I think you should. <laughs> Joining us is Stanley. Anthony, how you doing? Did you uh, go to the Taylor Swift concerts here? Are you a Swifty? Aren't you a Swifty? No, I'm not a Swifty. No. I was at a uh, at the concert Friday that was basically right across a dock from Soldier Field. Oh. So I and it was at the same exact time. Whoa! So I I saw all the Swifties. Dude, in it full was force. big, big three huge big shows. Deal. Yeah. Do you uh, Soldier yeah. Field? Do you think uh, Taylor Swift's a little overrated? Do I think Taylor Swift's over? I mean, I don't really care either way. I like her music when I hear it, but... Uh, she puts on a hell of a show, from what I could tell from YouTube videos. I feel although, like... although, coming from you, I think you think every modern artist is overrated. <laughs> well, the thing about Taylor <laughs> Swift in particular, yes, Stan. Stan Lee would yes. say, <laughs> you see, there's a lot of people that sound just like Taylor Swift. You can't tell them apart, you know? <laughs> They all sound the same. Sure. They all fucking the sing the same. The time. So why is this one better than the other one? You know what? But for her to tell the record company, yeah, fuck you, keep my music, I'm just going to redo it. Like, that's kind of badass. She's got balls. She's got balls. Swifty's got balls. I'll give her that much. Excelsior. Excelsior. Yeah. She, she's been around for a while now. Yeah, she's been a while. She's been around since the uh, early aughts. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 2004 was her first. Wow. 
fucking fantastic. She was a country singer. <laughs> and, That's uh, right. I forgot. That's where she started. With the, she did start in country. In country. I, I right. saw a lot of sequin, a lot of cowboy hats yeah. and boots. That's right. Now she's taking over the world. Well, this is not the... I'm saying I saw that Oh, out Friday. there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were camping yeah. out. The yeah, keep it to the roots. They were camping out on Thursday for merchandise. It was crazy over there. It was nuts. Yeah. It was it was very nuts getting in and out of that area. Well, good for her in Chicago. This is not a Taylor Swift podcast. It's just something local that happened. Let's get to the real podcast. We got some news. We're going to talk a lot about Spider-Man, Stan. Hold your webs. Get your webs right. ready. Okay, here we Yee. go. <laughs> the Jock and Ned Podcast. Of course, we got to start with the writer's strike update. Guess what? They're still on strike. This is week five. It's entering month two. Oh, really? Uh, I heard that the director's uh, yeah, union I thought there was a tentative deal. W- the d- okay, so interestingly enough, while the writers have been on strike WGA, the DGA, Directors Guild uh, of America, reaches a quote-unquote historic tentative deal. Uh, and they got a lot of the things that the writers have been asking for. So check this out. The DGA is a little bit bigger, 19,000 members versus 11.5 over the WGA. They're going to see a wage increase in the first year, second year, and third year incrementally, 5%, 4%, 3 This contract, this is interesting, bans live ammunition on set after what happened on the Rust set and Alec Baldwin oh. and all that. And, like, it, I'm surprised. We, I think we discussed, we're like, they, they're using live ammunition. Why are they doing this? They don't have is to do Is that blanks? <laughs> is that live ammunition? I think blanks count as live ammunition, even though they're blanks, because blanks can still kill, as we saw with oh. Brandon Lee. Because when I shoot blanks, nothing comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Just dust. When he shoots blanks, nothing happens. Like, that's okay. That's right. Excelsior. Uh, but I like that. No live ammunition on set. The agreement also has a clause about artificial intelligence stating, quote, AI is not a person, and that generative AI cannot replace the duties performed by members. Yeah, that's huge. And this last thing is huge for the first time. Global streaming video on demand residuals are going to be paid on the number of international subscribers. Hmm. So this is all tentative. It's uh, and then next is the actors. SAG after us turn is up next to renegotiate. That's going to be interesting to see what happens with them, but. This really doesn't affect the writers' strike much. They're still out there on picket lines. They're still, I think, far away. I don't know what the communication's been. I thought I was I was shocked reading this. I'm like, they got everything that these guys are, are striking for right now. What's the problem? You see, what these writers got to do is what I did in <laughs> yeah, comics. Going on? All right? <laughs> yeah, what you got to do is yes. you got to get the directors to do all the work, and then you take credit for and it. You just come in and fill in the word yeah. bubbles afterwards and say story You just say five. you wrote it. Tell the actors to make shit up and just take credit is for that it. that how you did Kirby and did Co-Stan? It's not, uh, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. All right, Stan, you're getting annoying. Get out Stan, <laughs> your voice is going to start hurting after a while, I imagine. Yeah, I can't do that that long. Stan no. is... <laughs> st- <laughs> Stan is gone, but we always have uh, this Stan. Fucking I can get him back whenever you want. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, so uh, comments on that, that the directors get what they want right away. It sets a good precedent. It, may, it looks good yeah. for like the writers if the directors could pull this shit off. Right? No? Yeah. Is that, yeah, I mean, you think? I think so. Who is like, who's more important? I feel like. Still, the writers, the creative, the beginning of the process is still more important. Well, you can't AI directors, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
more important. It's, you know, that's tough to kind of weigh. I mean, directors, there's a lot on a director's plate too. That's uh, true. And it's just weird that the studios are like, I guess they were afraid that another strike would happen. And like, if they went on strike and then the actors go on strike, then that's a real big problem. Then everything is, right. uh, you're losing a lot of money. Nothing's getting done at all. So maybe they learned. Uh, but again, I hope the writers can get to Yeah, hopefully this deal. can get resolved because we we're, we're not seeing it yet, but we will for sure that as this plays out, we'll see the effects even more and more and more yeah. uh, on the I industry. feel it's still a little early, but I think that this is good. It's good news. That this happened. It's good news, but people still saying this thing is expected to go till September. Uh, it's still nowhere near to be ending. And they've got support from a couple of unlikely people, namely Snoop Dogg. Who, uh, yeah, he was they he him him and Dr. Dre were going to do this huge show at the Hollywood Bowl at the end of this month. They have rescheduled those Hollywood Bowl concerts until the writers' strike is uh, done. But the surprising part of the story is that it was uh, a tour to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the album Doggy Style, and I'm like, oh fuck me, I'm old. Doggy Style is 30 years old. It's a fucking great album. <laughs> and what the fuck? That was thirty years ago. I just remember. Oh my god! I mean, I you know, I still like sipping on gin and juice. It's a year older. Like I just remember that shit. I still remember the video. That shit was huge. But fuck. Uh, yeah. So they also Hollywood Report is saying that Snoop and Dr. Dre sent food trucks to the people striking at Paramount Studios, and he's obviously supporting because similar things happen to the music industry, streaming business. So he's going to be behind. The writers, but I thought that was nice of Snoop uh, to postpone. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's big, though. Hollywood Bowl. Can't pull it out of there. Yep. But uh, it's not a story here, but like, I, I, nice of you to mention. It, yeah. Look, it's not. It, it, it's, a ni- it's nice for uh, Imran to acknowledge. Well, the, I feel like I keep seeing this story. The difference this time with the writer's strike is they're getting support from a lot of places like writers, directors, crew, celebrities. I think I think more people are wising up yeah. to the fact that these guys have been kind of getting shit on for a long time. Yeah, there's just like a thing that makes sense. Like there's obviously this new platform and everybody can understand, okay, they have not adapted to this new way of doing things and they need to do that. It's something that needs to happen. So the fact that they have this groundswell of support from all different people coming from different directions is not not crazy at all. It's completely uh deserved. So yeah, I'm I'm glad they're getting the publicity and the support because I don't think they had it that much last time. But they gotta they have to nail this down and not let it go for another three years, right? They gotta figure out all this shit. Uh, listener, let us know. Are you sad that Snoop Dogg's concert has been postponed in the Hollywood Bowl? You can join this conversation. <laughs> Visit join our Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. There is a link in the episode description. Jock and Nerd. It's an exclusive closed group just for you, listener. We put had spoiler threads for across the Spider Verse. A lot of fun stuff going on in there. Go on there, geek it up in there. All right, let's continue with some action movie news tying into last week's episode. When we reviewed Fast Five, that's one of the movies on our 21st Century Action Movie Tournament list that are going to battle it out very soon. Uh, Did you guys see uh, Dwayne Johnson's uh, Instagram? So, Anthony, last week you did reveal, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, the tag at the end of Fast X was what? That uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, is coming back. Oh, Oh, shit. They've been beefing for like seven years, him and Vin Diesel. 
Uh, so on The Rock's Instagram, he has revealed he will be back, but he says the next Fast and Furious film you're going to see him in will be the Hobbs movie that's going to come out and bridge Fast X and Fast X Part 2. Why don't they just mm. call it Fast 11? What is Fast X Part 2? So, And that's supposed to come out in 2025, but apparently before then... He is doing a Hobbs, not Shaw, just Hobbs movie. That's like a Fast X point five, and the bad guy, I believe, will be is Calvin, Calvin, Calvin and Hobbs. Yeah, <laughs> which that's the pick. Which Calvin? Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein, Coolidge. possibly Calvin Coolidge, but so so president. No, the bad guy is Dante, Jason Momoa's character from Fast oh. X. So this is kind of weird because. Really, like, okay, he's coming back to the franchise. They've been, you know, this whole thing has been building up with this beef with the seven-year feud with Vin Diesel. But if you look at the movies The Rock has made recently, I feel like he hasn't really had a string of hits, and maybe he has not found his franchise. We like he had Jumanji. That was like, well, Jumanji's but, kind of his thing, yeah. The, no, but that was the last thing. So he does Jungle Cruise. That's like, okay, he tried to make Black Adam a thing. That kind of blew up in his face, right? Uh, yeah. Red Notice for Netflix was not that great. No. So is this him kind of being like, you know what? Let me just go back to something that I... Yeah, probably. I mean, everyone probably realizes. I think the, the franchise a little fell off a little bit when he left. He hasn't been really... He hasn't really had anything. I think they're all just like, you know what? Let's put away our egos. Let's do what's good for business. Let's bring this band back together. I mean, you think that's a bit of Fast X fans are this big news for them? That for oh yeah. yeah, The Rock. The Rock was a big. We we reviewed the movie. Yeah, the Rock yeah. was a big injection into that franchise. Yeah. How many of the movies was he in? He he wasn't in like the last few, right? Five, six, seven, and then the spinoff. So I think oh four. Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, yeah. I saw Hobbs and Shaw. It was, it was okay. Uh, yeah. Currently in production, he has a movie called Red One. I don't know what that is. That's in post-production. Uh, Fast X Part 2. But in development, a lot of weird things. Doc Savage. Isn't this a DC character? I think he's still trying to do. He's like the, yeah, he, he's like a very early uh, character that's got superpowers. Kind of like uh invincible type dude. So that says in development on a Red Notice sequel, Jungle Cruise 2, this Fast and Furious Hobbs film, Big Trouble in Little China. He's in that. He's it's in production, and I I don't know if they're doing the same characters, but he's the only cast listed as as yeah mm. no I think he's gonna be playing Jack Burton, fucking Jack Burton, Big Trouble, and then San Andreas too, and something called The King. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if yeah Jum- Jumanji is or his highest grossing movies. Yeah, and I mean he's good in that. Somebody made the argument that he should just make movies with Kevin Hart from now on. That's just the just do everything. Do you know what? Remake twins. Do twins with the rock and Kevin Hart. Be hilarious. That's not a bad idea. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> I've watched that. I mean, instead of Arnold and DeVito. Mo- modern day twins. Yeah. Just do <laughs> twins. But I mean, I he's like, this is the only franchise that's working for him, so welcome back, I guess. If you smell what he's cooking. <laughs> I can smell something. Is that you, Rugs? Uh, yeah that's definitely what happened all right moving on (laughs) to we're gonna uh of course review spider-man across the spider-verse one of two big superhero movies this month the second one is finally fucking coming out after nine years of ezra miller 
getting cast as the Flash. The fucking Flash movie is like a week and a half away. Holy shit. Oh, shit. And we have discussed over the last year their issues, their problems, the kind of bad press, the shenanigans. They have been quiet uh, for the past few months as we get closer to this movie. How are they going to promote this movie was one of the big questions. What do you do? Do you let Ezra talk and open him up to questions that are going to be hard to answer? Do you just not have them at the premiere? I have a little bit of information because up till now they have done no press and they're just going to make a low profile appearance at the Los Angeles premiere on the June 12th. There's only be one premiere. They just going to pose for photos, no interviews. <laughs> and the rest of the cast also will skip the standard press interview gauntlet. They're just going to do the red carpet. Uh, but uh, the, as a source close to Miller explains in this article, quote, Ezra wants the movie to open and the conversation to be about the movie and not about Ezra. They are focused on their mental health and don't want to be don't want it to be transactional. So, I mean, that's it's smart. Makes sense, obviously. Uh, but can you promote a movie this big? Uh, 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 it's a estimated budget of $190 million. But I heard rumored with the marketing and the amount of reshoots they have done, it's more like $330 million Jesus that has gone in this movie. So the marketing-wise, they're doing another weird thing. There's all these screenings. You know, they screened it at CinemaCon in April. But a big chunk of the end was not there. Apparently, they've been reshooting and re-editing the ending. They're doing these screenings like today and this week, Wednesday, across the country real early. Uh, I have a link. In fact, if you go to FandangoMovieTickets.com slash The Flash Screening, you may find a screening Wednesday, hmm. this Wednesday near you. In fact, I may have some passes for me to see one of these screenings myself this Wednesday, if things are you going to go see it, I'm, if things work out, I am going to go see it oh, and then wow. I will see it again when it comes out, because I've heard the screening copies are different possibly than what's uh, the theatrical version. I'm curious to see hmm. how they deal with the end. Apparently, they are spinning this whole marketing thing by saying it's, this is not about Ezra Miller, but they're trying to keep the ending under wraps. Well, I think here's what's happening here is I think they they believe they have a good movie yeah yeah they cannot promote it in the way they normally would promote it yep. so they're doing this and i think this is, might be a good strategy actually i think it could you, what you want to do worse. is build up yeah. this this fan hype yeah so they're giving it out for free across the country for yeah. a little bit yeah. for one night and then they're just hoping that people are buzzing and blowing up twitter and, and drawing press that way yeah, it sounds kind of smart. Uh, to me, it, show, it sounds like they have confidence in this movie if they're doing this. I mean, they because if, if this movie if they thought this movie sucked, they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't just put it out there for free. So on Wednesday, all at the same time, seven p.m. for everywhere from Dallas to Honolulu to Los Angeles, Nashville, New York, Orlando, Phoenix, Sacramento, Salt Lake City, Washington D.C. All having screenings all this Wednesday at seven p.m. I believe at the same time. So get ready for maybe some spoilers and reactions. But Ruggs, is this a smart move? Like, I feel like Anthony's right. They feel the word of mouth is going to help, and it's a good way around the Ezra Miller situation. I feel like getting uh, some good word of mouth is a, is a good uh, technique. 
usually they don't do this. So I feel like they, yeah, like Anthony said, they're confident in the movie. So that must be good. Because if this movie stunk, this would be suicide for the movie to give it out for free and then let a week, week's worth yeah, of bad let a bunch of people happen. you don't know talk about it on the internet. So that yeah. that and that kind of happened with uh, the Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny movie, which they did like kind of the opposite, high profile. They took Indiana Jones to cons, which is really strange. Like I didn't think the cons festival, although last year they did have Top Gun Maverick, so I think they were trying to replicate that. And a big thing for Harrison Ford retiring. But then uh, we got all these mixed reviews, right, from that, and it may have bit him in the ass a little bit. Yeah. So there's a risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had something to say, but I just didn't say it. Yeah. We expected that to happen. <laughs> like, we knew that was going to happen. I'm still right? looking forward to Indy, Indy 5 at the end of the month, June 30th. James Mangold's great. I'm, I think. I don't think it could be bad as 4, so whatever. Yeah, we expected it to be kind of mid-level but polarizing or yeah, some yeah. have some kind of a reaction but this movie uh you know it deals with a lot of the similar things that, about the movie we're going to review you got multiple characters multiverse it's kind of interesting cross the spider-verse flash kind of similar themes this article also says the warners never announced it the studio has al- already finished a sequel script from david leslie johnson mcgoldrick who wrote aquaman if a part two is in the cards the, hmm. the script is said to have guest starred uh, Keaton's Batman and Kali's new Supergirl. And Andrew Machete said he would not consider recasting Barry Allen. Uh, he told his podcast, if a sequel happens, yes, I don't think there's anyone else. There's anyone that can play that character as well as they did. The other depictions of the character are great, but this particular vision of the character, they just excelled in doing it. It feels like the character was made for them. So if there is a sequel, but like, where does this movie end up? And with the reboot, uh, he, they could be coming back. I thought that was interesting. Also, I wonder how big it will open. There were some things saying it was going to have a soft, oh, like seventy million dollar opening. I think it will make more. Yeah, I'm, I'm very. I mean, the hype around this movie has been, you know, we've been following it. It's been a, a weird winding road to get here, but I, I would, I will say, I'm actually, um, I'm pretty excited to see it just because of the nostalgia factor of seeing Keaton and. The crazy yeah. storyline that potentially that they're drawing from. So I think it'll be a fun experience. You've been watching uh, NBA finals, right? They've been playing a lot of the the commercial a lot everywhere. I think they played a, a new trailer before my showing at of a Spider-Man. Oh, was it a new one? I think it was a new one. And I was like, afraid. I was like, oh, I don't see. Yo, it was definitely there was new. It was footage. New, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was more dialogue. It was different. Yeah. yeah. It didn't give away too much, but it was different. I saw that too, but it still, it got me. I mean, I'm still. Geek boner. Geek boner. There's a ton of ads out. Oh, my God. They're Lumpy everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. Lumpy John. <laughs> they're everywhere. <laughs> so, listener, grab a screening, hit the link. I'll put it in the show description if they're still uh, available. Everybody can see this movie early. That's how confident they are. Sure. Why not? Last thing in the news, uh, sticking with DC, we have another, yet another rumor. For Superman Legacy mm. title role front runner James Gunn Superman reboot. Okay, there's another front runner. Another one. This one, according to Variety, this one is this dude. His name is Pearson Fode. Fode. It's F O D E, and there's a little accent mark on the E. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, he's best known for being in the soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful. 
Oh, really? From 2015 Ooh. to 2018. Uh, I, there's a link from the article, comicbookmovie.com, where he has a thirst trap topless photo posted. Hey, he looks like a big dude. He's a big dude. He's 31. He also had a small part in a 2020 episode of Supergirl. Uh, apparently, he sent in a self-tape for the role that included a montage of footage from his Clark Kent-like childhood on a farm in Moses Lake, Washington. Apparently, Gunn liked what he saw. Nobody has commented. Isn't he a little older, though? And then they want to do a younger guy? He is. Like, if we were talking about Rachel Brosnahan, if she was Lois, she's 32. But I feel like both of them could play mid-20s. But uh, yeah. I, I don't know if the, 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 the guy looks the part. I mean, 6'3". He's six three, but can the dude act? He's a soap opera actor. I don't know. Do he? Is this? I mean, there's you got some good people from soap operas, but most of the time, yeah, Frank Grillo. Oh, Frank Grillo started in the soap opera. That's right. Who's another famous soap star? <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's there's a, there's a couple act. of them. There's a couple. I mean, I guess they could be good. Uh, it would be interesting to to cast this unknown. Which I think they should. He's gonna do. I think he's gonna cast someone wacky. It's James Gunn. He's gonna do it his way. He's gonna get Nicolas Cage. Hey, you can still do Nick Cage as Superman. Let's do it. <laughs> Why not? Joaquin Phoenix is <laughs> Wes Anderson oh directed Superman. Who plays him? Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow. Well, did you Wilson. guys? Did you see those Wes Anderson yes. TikToks in for that were hot? For that a little bit? is all Mid Journey AI plus After Effects. I actually heard a podcast interview with the guy who ma- who started making them. Now everybody's yeah. copying. Those are pretty fun. They're pretty good. Wes Anderson yeah. is an easy style to emulate, right? And kind of, it, there's not a lot of movement. It's just people looking at the camera in weird environments but he uses <laughs> symmetry yeah. yeah but he uses the, it's ai generated audio the animation is done with the ai tool the images are created using mid-journey it's pretty good so like ai isn't making it because you still need the humor and the the thoughtfulness and the personality you still need the images too right well he's the it's, those are all ai created images from prompts really yes no yes but no but when they're doing them i saw them done for like Specific restaurants and venues and friend groups. Oh, you're not talking about the Wes Anderson's version trailers of movies because they've done like Wes Anderson. Oh, Matrix. no, not the movies. I'm yeah. talking about. Well, I did see the movies. Yeah. But I'm talking about people doing little promos of Wes Anderson type styles. Oh, so their... they're trying. Maybe they're using parts of the real thing and, and mixing it in. But yeah, it's just like an easy style to cop also. Uh, they're. I mean, they're funny. Like he's done Lord of the he's, Rings, Matrix. If I was Wes Anderson, I'd be like, "Dude, look at me! I made it." Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, people are now copying my style. And they think it's meme. funny. Wow, wow! You just gotta get someone to stand in the middle of the frame on a wide angle. What's the best Wes Anderson film you've seen? Oh my god! Uh, what are his hits? That's a good question. Let's... I, I don't know if I like any of his films. <laughs> let me let me look uh, at Well, though, out of what I've seen. Uh, he's, he's, it's a, it's a, he's got, he's a, uh, what's a, what's the word? A acquired taste a little bit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like, I like one of his movies. Royal Tenenbaums, Rushmore. Yeah. I like his early stuff. I like Rushmore I like and Rushmore. Royal Tenenbaums. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? I mean, it's still a great line. Uh, and then he does Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, the Darjeeling Limited, Hotel Chevalier, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is the stop motion. That was fun. Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, that was fun. Grand Budapest Hotel. What did you say? Hotel Chevalier. Oh, maybe I'm looking at right. He wrote those. I'm talking. Let me look <laughs> at director. 
Yeah. Uh, but he does write and direct a lot of his own. No, you were right after Grand, Grand, Buda, Grand Budapest, Isle of Dogs, French Dish. Isle French of Dogs. Dispatch. Yeah, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, French Dispatch. And then Asteroid City has just come out. That one looks kind of interesting. I'm not sure exactly what it's about. I think Tenenbaum's Fantastic for Mr. Fox and Moonrise Kingdoms are probably my favorite. Moonrise Kingdom is good? Oh, I should watch that one. Not only I enjoyed it because it's about, you know, it's weird. It's about like pubescent kids doing weird shit, but like it's uh, it's still funny. All right. One more question. We're just because we're taking this off the beam path. Better and better. Autour Anderson. Oh, Wes Anderson. Or Paul Thomas Anderson. Wait, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson. All the way. I've, I always get. I kind of, sometimes I get them confused, even though they're wildly different. But they're like PTA Wes Anderson. PTA's got Punch Drug Love, Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood. Oh, come on, Magnolia. Right, the, uh, no competition. He's a better. Uh, I would say his films are more like memorable. He's a really but, good storyteller. But I feel like. Uh, uh, Wes Anderson's films are like kind of unique too, but like it's they're very unique in their own way. So neither are films you watch and you go, yeah, I'm watching that one again. (laughs) No, they're both like (laughs) maybe Boogie Nights. I don't know. I really love the fucking other movie that he did. He did the Royal Tenenbaums. I really love that. Rushmore is also great too, but they both have very unique styles. Wes Wes's style is a little more artsy. You know, like when they're in the apartment in Owen Wilson and they got the. The big painting with the underwear. I, I think so. Those are all great. That's a great. Oh, he scene. did licorice pizza too, Paul Thomas. Oh, I love that's my that's a great movie. Yeah, I gotta too. watch that. I heard it was good. Is that Wes Anderson? That's, no, that's, that's the Paul other Thomas one. Anderson. PTA. <laughs> PTA. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Yes. PTA has done a. a, a oh, a that's a great movie. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's done a few more movie. movies, I think. But I mean, Magnolia is kind of a great movie. When we were talking about the, night. it's a weird ass movie. That movie. Yeah. You didn't like that movie, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't like that movie. That movie respect the cock. Come on, it sticks yeah, with like you. Yeah, I like it. Respect the cock. It's great. And he's, yeah, so that's a good, of all by the, the way. Between the two, I've, I I think there, were, there Will Be Blood would have been my favorite. Uh, speaking of the cock, yeah. speaking oh, of the cock, yeah. um, first of all, I think we talked about it, that uh, NBC actually on their Twitter said, no, I'm not going to take yes, the pee out of the yes, cock. Yes, they're being cheeky. And then I was watching the new show called Bupkis, which is the... Pete Davidson's show. Yeah, is that any good? About his life. Hey, it's all right. Okay. But, but like, he even says the cock. He calls it, what, he calls yeah, he, the network the cock? Like, he knows yeah, he he's calls on the show? The, doc- no, he he's calls the network the cock. On the show, Bupkis? That, yes. That's on the good. cock? Yes. What the fuck is he going on? He calls it the cock. But so, yeah. but so, but does he, is he talking? It's meta. It is. So he's talking about the sh- It's about his life. So uh. it's like, is it? It's like it's like autobiographical, but fake autobiographical. Oh, okay, kind of like so. Dummies. He's like on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. All the people from Saturday Night Live are 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 in it. Oh wow! But they're not themselves. Wow. Yeah, there's like characters from Saturday Night Live that are not characters from Saturday Night Live. Anyway, it's just weird. It's weird. I heard about this show and I was slightly intrigued, but I did not. Check Joe Pesci's it out. in it. Joe Pesci, they, Joe Mama, they're all in it. Yeah, there's a lot. Edie Falco is his mom. Wow. Oh, that's great casting. She's great. Yeah, who else is in it? Uh, Steve Buscemi's in it for a minute. Uh, a lot of people I still think it. if they have balls, they would just go the cock. Just do it. Just do it, Pico. <laughs> just come on, make it the cock. It's for a date. Just do it for a date. Change all your socials. Pretend you're doing it. They should just have Tom Cruise keep saying well, respect the cock. Yes, well, or that, or well, you know how Ma- have you seen the Max commercials? Oh yes, and their tagline is the, the one, one to watch. Yeah. If you were cock, you go the one that fucks. Cock. <laughs> this one fucks. Yeah. The streaming service that fucks. 
Yeah. Do it, Peacock. I dare you. Um, okay, that's good. It's good Anderson face-off. I'm glad we got that off our chest. Yeah, well, I, that was a debate I've been having in yeah. my head for a long time. Let us time. know what you think, listener. Weigh in on the Anderson. Even though I've seen like probably <laughs> 10% of their total movies. It's fine. It still counts. Yeah. It's, yeah, whatever. Okay, look, we're going to take a quick break here, play some promos, and come back. Oh, and we are going to be geeking out about Spider-Man. Don't you worry. Right after this. After these messages, we'll be right Hey there, everyone. Brian here, host of TV Trivia Pod. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? And what's everyone eating in the post-credit scene of Avengers? Play along to TV Trivia Pod anywhere you get podcasts. And stay tuned for more trivia! What's up? This is Brian, and I'm the host of Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. That's right, a podcast dedicated to my favorite TV show, Parks and Rec. Every week I discuss my favorite things about the show, which include character breakdowns, episode rewatches, and other random facts and tidbits about the show. You can find me on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast and listen wherever you get your podcast now. You will literally love it. Listener, if you enjoy the show, uh, do consider joining our awesome fan club over on Patreon. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Jock and Nerd. And you can give back the entertainment value, support the show, and you get stuff. Supporters get access to an exclusive podcast feed where the shows come out early. There's bonus content. For example, instant reactions to Across the Spider-Verse posted before you hear us review just for you right out of the theater. Lots of fun. Uh, And you can also follow our uh, journey of the 21st Century Action Movie Tournament and uh, leave your picks for the final four for a chance to win a Jock and Nerd prize. We We've all- updated the the other roster a few times. Sorry if I interrupted you. Yeah, no, we have updated the list. I think I have it updated on the website. I'll have to check. Uh, just listen to the show for the updates. It's somewhere updated. I think I got to update it. <laughs> I think I still have to update it. But send in your picks anyways. Uh, you can also uh, get Discord access and join us on our monthly Discord hangouts. Those are lots of fun. This month, June 22nd, Thursday. Uh, join us then and there's a tier where you can pick any movie for us to watch and review all that fun stuff at jockandnerd.com slash patreon okay i'm so excited to talk about this yes you are let's get into it i can't even talk uh this week's movie review of course is spider-man across the spider-verse here is your spoiler alert i'm gonna do it like this my spider shits are tingling Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. Fucking fantastic. There we go. There's your spoiler alerts. This is, of course, the sequel to 2018's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animated movie. Again, of that one. Uh, On Rotten Tomatoes, this movie right now is sitting at 95%. Tomato meter, 8.7 out of 10. 96% audience score. The first one, 97% tomato meter. A little bit higher. Uh, the budget for this movie, a hundred million dollars. And now this is great because they, this thing overperformed their estimates. 
Opening weekend, it makes $120 million. Oh, shit. Which is uh, wild. According to Eric Davis on Twitter, uh, $120 million is the biggest opening for a 2023 summer movie so far. The second biggest opening of this year. The third biggest opening for a Spider-Man movie. The sixth biggest ever for an animated movie. And the best opening for a Sony animation movie at 120 million, it is currently sitting at 208 million worldwide. Com- let, me, let me do the letterboxed. Yes, this I saw this. I like, I like throwing the letterboxed because yeah. these are the snooty, yeah. artsy fans. Yeah, yeah. For comparison, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2018 was a 4.5 out of five by the fans. Yeah, this movie is currently. A 4.7 out of oh, 5. I saw a tweet that this is the highest rated movie on Letterboxd currently. I've never seen a rating that high on Letterboxd. Whoa, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So Even money-wise, right? So the first movie opened to $35 million and ends with $384 million. But here, you have Spider-Man is writing goodwill from that first movie from No Way Home. And it shows here in the box office numbers, which is crazy. Uh, this one directed by the team of Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin De- K. Thompson. It is their feature film directorial debut- debuts, and the screenplay is written by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who also co-produced the movie, and Dave Callahan, uh, writing on the screenplay. And th- talking about The Flash, Lord and Miller were attached to do The Flash at one point. After they went through a bunch of directors and a bunch of writers. Uh, so here you see them nail some multiverse stuff. The cast is a pretty spectacular returning Shamik Moore as Miles Morales. Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy. Bar- Brian Tyree Henry as Jeff Morales, Miles' father. Luna Lauren Velez as the mother, Rio Morales. Jake Johnson coming back as Peter B. Parker. Oscar Isaac as Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099. Jason Schwartzman as The Spot, Issa Rae as Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, Daniel Kalua as Hobie Brown, Spider-Punk, Karan Sony, who is uh, from Deadpool, he was the cab driver, he is voicing Spider-Man India, Pavitar, Pavakar, Pav. Um, Excuse yourself. And you have Mahershala Ali, again, as Uncle Aaron, Andy Samberg in a hilarious cameo as Ben Riley. Uh, Rachel Dratch is in this, and Jack Quaid, who is Huey. From the boys, uh, voicing uh, the Peter Parker, mm. a Peter Parker, Gwen's Peter Parker. Uh, and I'm sure there's some other people I left out, but the, it's a fantastic voice cast. Anthony, where does this Ooh. movie pick up? What happens in the Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? Oh, man. This movie's what? About a year and a half or so? It's about a Maybe year. Years. Yeah, about a year. After, no, I think since so, so 16 months yeah. uh, since okay. the last movie. And Miles is now... Spider-Man in his universe, but he longs to see the Gwen from the other universe. And uh, Gwen in her own universe, uh, we get a little bit of her origin with Peter and the the tragedy she had faced. And she gets recruited into a Spider-Man group that protects the multiverse. And similar to what we saw in Loki with the Time Variance Authority kind of fixes things that shouldn't be happening and these things were caused by something miles did in the first movie and they led by gwen have to get back into miles's universe to 
in some ways help him, but in some ways fix something that he had caused in the first movie that is now threatening the entire multiverse. Because of the spot. Uh, His arch nemesis. Yes. Uh, All right. Yeah. So uh, let me know what was your theater experience like, first of all, and then how did you feel once the movie was over? Saw it on a, a Thursday night. Pretty packed theater. Pretty nerdy crowd for sure. I went with a couple friends. One of my friends is a very casual Spider-Man fan uh, girl, and she was like, this is the nerdiest crowd ever. Uh, <laughs> Are there people dressed up at your theater? Is anybody dressed up? No, not dressed up, but uh, uh, the crowd is very into it, very um, laughing, almost laughing almost too much at, at certain times. It's a very lively crowd. So yeah, made for, I mean, anytime it's a good experience where the crowd is into it yeah. and not talking, which they weren't. Um, it makes for, you know, elevates the experience, I think, a little bit. As far as what I thought of the movie, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, I I say this not being, I liked the first Spider-Man, but uh, I don't have this reverence for it because I've only seen it once. Yeah. And it's been that, you know, it's been five years, yeah. five or six years. So I didn't go into this movie with any sort of expectation again. I just went in just to see it. And I thought it was a pretty awesome experience. The only the only drawback I had, and heard Ruggs say this in his thing, so now it kind of confirms. Um, I thought it was my theater, but the audio at times, I couldn't really understand yeah, what was going on. you had audio issues too. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was my theater, yeah. though, because I've had that issue at this theater before, yeah. but I guess it isn't. So that, that kind of stinks. But overall, I, I really love the movie. Um, what you're seeing on screen, I mean, just with the different animation styles, um, that all is immersive. the The soundtrack for me was super immersive, but this, at the end of the day, the the story itself was um, a good Spider Man story to tell. You know, what does it really mean to be Spider Man? Is uh, tragedy an important part of being Spider Man? And if you don't experience that tragedy, does that make you a real Spider Man? Like these are all things they're kind of asking. Yeah, um, I was so wrapped up in the experience that I didn't even realize. This was a two-parter. Yes. So when it ended, I yeah. was like, oh, fuck. I didn't know that they were doing that in this. Yeah, let's not forget. I, I kind of felt it towards the end. I'm like, yeah. they just revealed in this third act something that I don't think they can wrap up in 10 minutes. Yeah, what is happening? But um, so when it ended, I was like, oh, shit. But I was just so immersed in the movie. I was like, I just got wrapped in the whole thing. So overall, I really enjoyed it. I, it's tough for me to say right now if I liked it better than the first because I don't remember my experience in the first one uh-huh, but uh-huh, I, I thought uh-huh. this was a, a really 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 good experience yeah yeah audio issues i had a similar feeling i saw these reports coming out in the beginning i was like this has really low i definitely missed some lines here and there it was distracting it, it was yeah. very distracting for like major parts of the film not just the beginning but the, the beginning is the part where you notice it the most but it happens throughout the film where they prioritize the music over the what people are saying. It's definitely the mix that is provided. And uh, I, how do you fuck that up? Well, and so there's an article here. One of the producers is uh, t- tweets out like, oh, you're supposed to have the volume on seven. Uh, tell them to turn it up to seven, maybe seven and a half. Even we've uh, optimized it for it to be on seven, whatever that means. I don't know what that, but that sounds like a James Gunn answer. Yeah, no, they they were <laughs> they were sending projectionist stickers that say "I played Spider Verse at full volume because I'm awesome" with the big number seven and Spider Man's head to remind them 
So, yeah, that's kind of like a backpedal. But the mix was a little off. But as far as my theater experience, it was, it was you know, it was mostly packed. Lots of kids. Lots of fun. What did I think? Of course, you know what I'm going to say. I fucking loved it. I did. I mean, just beautifully animated. I was fucking mesmerized. De- Go see this movie when you're lit, people. Oh, my God. <laughs> just I'm like just drooling, staring at, at all the animation. Uh, and I've never I mean, into the Spider-Verse pushed this style and gave you a great style. This thing takes it to another level. The the different types of animation in different universe were gorgeous. The way they had to mix them together. Um, the, it, it, but yet the movie retained its heart and its center as miles. But I really, I, the music, the score, the voice performances, the writing, the family themes. Holy shit. And like you, when it was over, I, I was like, no, no, let's keep going. Like I could have sat for, it was long. I could have sat for another hour. You could have kept going. I didn't mind. I was like, fuck, this is, it's about to end here. And I did also kind of forget, but I wanted it to go keep going. And I mean, I love how it, it, it makes the first movie even more significant. How it cleverly ties into the first movie. Oh, the Easter eggs. Oh my God. Just fucking from everywhere. I love all the Spider-Man. You know, who doesn't love all the Spider-Man is rugs rugs. What happened? What do you think? <laughs> oh my God. What a way to lean into this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let me just uh, do a disclaimer. Uh, I hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> I actually dug a lot about this movie. So whatever Imran's saying about the art styles, uh, the performances, the acting, there's some stuff. There's that w- one scene with Gwen and her dad yeah, yeah. that the acting is just amazing yeah. in. And this mean, and this is throughout the film. The acting is great. Um, the characters they're being brought to life in this uh, different styles is great. A little jarring, a little everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. When they start bringing in like live action people and Lego people, yeah. Get to I that. didn't think they need to go that far, <laughs> yeah, it's but fun. whatever, it's fine. You know, whatever. But I echo all of that stuff. I feel like it was enjoyable. There was moments where I'm sitting in my seat going. This is what reading a comic book feels like. And this is like a Sienkiewicz page come to life. This is uh, uh, the greatest uh, translation of what it feels like to really love comics and read them and and appreciate the art. So in many ways, it does that. Um, I did think that there was issues with this movie, and I don't like it as much as the first one. Now, I'm going to with a caveat. Yeah. I've watched the first one a couple of times yeah. and I think that it improves upon other watches. I feel like this one will improve upon other watches, but I also think there's pacing issues um, that it kind of, it, it's, it starts to like propel itself right when it ends. Yeah. It starts to really pick up steam and then it ends. Yeah. So, and the arc doesn't really, it's not in, it doesn't conclude in a, in a chapter like way. Yeah. So it feels awkward. The theater that I was in started booing at the end. <laughs> I mean, it is half a movie. They were upset. They were upset that it, it ended abruptly. So they didn't. I, I feel like that it was like uh, they landed the plane too harshly. It just went. Uh, there's no, yeah. no post credit scene. And I think a lot of people forgot that this is. They should have left the part one maybe in the title because originally wasn't it going to be across the Spider-Verse part one and part two. Yeah, but nonetheless, like even even like people are are uh, comparing it to uh, 
Empire Strikes Back, but Empire Strikes Back has a complete arc that completes itself. It does, but it has an, a kind of an abrupt. There's a big reveal and it ends. I mean, I could see it being compared to the the, the great sequels out there. Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Dark Knight kind of stuff. Well, you it's know? the darker kind of like a re- end in peril, like yeah, in yeah. End Game. Yeah, you know, yeah. like so. Uh, what was that? Not End Game. What was the one before? Infinity War. War. Yeah, Infinity yeah, War. Infinity, Infinity War. To to your point, the rugs is also has a it's complete story. Definite, yeah, it's a yeah. complete story. Yeah. So it was like, um, it was a little bit abrupt, and it, I it, I found it unsettling. But um, those are my major gripes with the film. Then there's I you, I have like Spider Man stuff that I don't like, <laughs> like which is pretty much the whole idea of this this thing, this movie at all. But I don't like the fact that um. Like, every, there's no capable Spider-Man out there. Like, every Spider-Man, like, even Ben Riley, who's pretty capable yeah. and, like, a legit well, Spider-Man. They kind of turned him into a joke. They a turned bit. him into a joke. I thought it was funny, like, though. Like, Peter B. Parker, he's he, he sucks, yeah. and he's an idiot, and he's wearing a pink fucking robe the whole time. Like, it's just like they they don't have any reverence for Peter Parker, which is the, is the, is the character that this whole thing hangs on. There's no Miles. There's no Gwen. There's no... All of these are ancillary characters that have picked up or imitated or used that that canon. So either you have to do one of two things. Either you don't include that at all, but if you're going to include a Peter Parker like or even a character like Ben Riley yeah. or so you can't just make a buffoon out of everybody. I mean, I see that, but the whole movie is also like a love letter to Spider-Man and 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 the things is it? the things that have happened because of a Spider-Man. But like that's the Spider-Man thing is you can't catch a break. You're not completely, you, right. you know, something right. always fucks Which I up. Like. I yeah. like that. I, I might Every review, time I, he wants to reveal it to his parents, something happens yeah. or he decides against it. And, and I do whole, like, like that. Oh, yeah. No, and the, and the whole, like, is this a canon event? Oh. I mean, they're just telling you, yeah. right? Like, is this, does this define who he is? And yeah. the answer right now is yes, right? Like, or at least that's what Miguel O'Hara believes. Is that these events, this tragedy in your life, is the defining thing that makes you Spider-Man? Then that's why Miles has to have this happen to him. Like in a meta way, okay. If you're talking about the Spider Verse, yeah, and multiple universes, no, you don't have to have a tragedy in your life. You don't. It doesn't. You get bitten by a spider, and you get spider powers. That's that. That's what happens. But you don't have a character like Spider-Man that stands the test of time if it's not created with the same drama that Peter Parker had to endure. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't you can't reshuffle those things around and make different tragedies happen, right? But the whole reason that Peter Parker the character works is because he does disappoint his Aunt May all the time. Yeah. He 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 finally gets this power and he has to realize that he he can't just abuse it and and, and do what he wants. Yeah. And, and get revenge. He has to actually be a responsible person and and help people. And that comes with it's a curse to him. Yeah. And they kind of do that with Miles, and I love that. I love that they're trying to give him his own version of that. So I do think yes, you need a to be a great Spider Man, as good as Peter Parker is. You need that. And if you don't have that, it does. It just doesn't work. I think that is important. I like what they're doing with Miles, where similar to what they did in No Way Home, where you tell this Spider-Man, this one being Miles, that 
like the fate of the universe is more than just one person right. and that like you're going to have to sacrifice in this case his dad yeah and miles is like no like not one not every life is valuable and that's something that peter would do that's what he does in no way home that's what he does in the comics he would still try to save that life and figure out another way but and i, I feel like, like they're he doing lo- that he lost his uncle already right yeah he lost his uncle yeah that they he already lost his uncle and they were also saying that he actually wasn't even supposed to exist. Well, yeah, that's a, look, that's the whole thing. But I love this idea of canon events because I think you're kind of arguing for it, Rugs. Look, every Peter Parker needs that. Every Spider-Man has an Uncle Ben moment, and then every and they're respecting the lore, the canon. Every Spider-Man has a uh, Captain Stacy moment, and, right. and Miguel right. says it like this is the gig. Every Spider-Man sacrifices. They've all been through it, and there's no getting around it now. Whether Miles can take change his fate like that's a great it's just so interesting and does it make him any less of a Spider-Man yeah. that's the question they're asking right? yeah how can he can he can he skip the, one of the hard steps and still and still be and still be a Spider-Man yeah so the reveal of the canon events and then the reveal that he was not supposed to be that universe's Spider-Man he is the he is the anomaly it's fucking. I think that's that's not canon though. That's wrote that for the movie to make some kind of a point. Well, you know, because you, you have Miguel kind of as the Madam Web, uh, the controller of the multiverse, uh, but it leaves another universe without a Spider-Man. Uh, right. And w- you know what are Which the is ra- where he gets sent? Yeah. So the, you know, I, I, that blew me away. Where like that Peter Parker would have survived. He would have stopped the collider. Spot never would have been created. But the way they tie in Spot and the first movie and everything all together, uh, I loved. I loved the bad guy, uh, and I loved how it's like a Batman eighty nine. He's like, you made me, but I made you, uh, kind of thing going on. Spot Spot's not my favorite. I I, I mean I I like I know what they're doing yeah. there. I think Miguel O'Hara is a more intriguing bad guy, but um, Oscar Isaac is great. I get too, what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. yeah, Oscar Isaac. I get what they're doing though, and they're they're trying to tie the bad guy to this world-ending thing. I thought, look, the Spot is a very strange character. Yeah, first appearance, at Spectacular Spider-Man, Peter Parker, like ninety-nine. He's always been weird, and they even say like a joke character. But the way they used him in this movie, for because of the animation and the medium they were in, I thought it was fucking brilliant. I loved when he went in the spot universe and you could see the sketchy lines, like how he was drawn as part of the animation. And he always disturbed me because he has holes. And look, being a white guy with spots, I can relate. I can relate 100 percent. I know exactly what Jason Schwartzman's going to. I feel like this could be the possibly the the best version of how to handle this particular character. Absolutely. So they did a great job with that, too. There's a lot of good stuff in this film. There really is. Do they need them? Do we, do they need him in this movie though? Well, they need. They don't need him. They really do take him out of the movie and still have the same plot plot line. You were, right? you were they, an anomaly. Yeah, it, the only they, he was used so that Gwen had to come back and reunite everyone. Um, no, well, I, he he's there because well, again, he's he's creating this event that's screwing up the entire multiverse. Yeah, and he's doing it because he wants revenge on Miles Morales. Who shouldn't have never even been Spider Man in this universe? And again, right? But yeah. that 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 you could have just written that out like that. Just the fact that that happened to Miles and he got bitten by the wrong spider that that was undoing the universe too. Like you don't really need the spot in that to complicate in things further. Yeah, I mean, he was, there's some funny lines and some no, funny I mean, moments to, to have him in there yeah. is visually fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I love when he kicked his own butt and trips and falls and like, yeah, Miles is big laughs. Miles is texting. Well, the whole time he's fighting him and he's just offended. Speaking of visuals, let's let's go into some of the what were your favorite oh, visuals in this fucking movie? Gwen's universe? The watercolor background that Changing changes her with changes, her moods yeah. and it's dripping and it's a lot like the covers of the Spider Gwen books. Gorgeous, <laughs> fucking gorgeous. And Mumbatton is probably like my favorite scene <laughs> is the Mumbai Manhattan, the whole middle part. Because huge things happen in that scene, right? Spot gets powerful and uh, the uh, he disrupts a canon event. Right. Causing yeah, a black happens. hole. Well, they, they kind of trapped it. Uh, they showed up to trap it. Uh, but that, that I mean, every every universe just beautifully rendered. But Gwen's shit, the lighting, the color, the, oh, it was just fucking gorgeous to look at. What was some of your... I was always blown away whenever they would cut to Spider-Punk and he was just oh. it's completely different yes. style than yes. everything else. I and love it's still, It's still... You know, it's a it's a little jarring, but I'm just like, how are they even doing this? So, uh, te- how much work are these people putting into technical? The technical part is, but I read an interview, but they're talking about Spider Punk, and they are animating his body and his head at different frame rates, choppier frame rates, on purpose to make it look like punk posters. You notice sometimes, even when he's standing, the shit is still shifting on him. His guitar mm. always has this like piece of paper around it that's changing colors and changing shapes. And it looks like he's still being drawn as yeah, he everything looks, else is happening. He looks flat on a piece of paper. I loved how I, uh, he takes his mask off and Miles is like, how are you even cooler with your mask off? And I love how he's he's kind of helping Peter and antagonizing them. He had some of the funniest lines where he looks at the black hole and he's like, that's a metaphor for capitalism. Uh, and he's just like, I, I, he's like, I hate, he's like, I hate teams. Miles goes, I thought you were in a band. He goes, I also love inconsistency. And so it's just like <laughs> fucking great lines. And then he just quits. He's like, I'm out. See you later. And he helps them at the end. But this uh, anarchy fucking character was great. And I love Pav. Uh, Rugs, what do you think of Spider-Punk? He's cool. I never read the comics. I did, he was I, in, I mean, he was he was in Dan Slot written comics. So uh, <laughs> uh, from what I uh, know, it's pretty true to the comics. So that's Hobie uh, Brown, who is the prowler in like the regular universe. That's who becomes the prowler. Right. And that one, he becomes the Spitterman. <laughs> the the British Spider-Man. Yeah, but some of his lines, like, because of the mix, like, I, I couldn't understand what the fuck he was saying. Sometimes. Yeah, it's and really the bad. So. And he's got a thick accent. You got to, like, push the, the the dialogue up into the mix. It's, yeah, no, just, that, that is unforgivable. Now that you said that, I thought it was just my theater. Uh, everybody, everybody has said the that. The fact that you can't hear the dialogue. I thought I was like, I was going either the theater is screwed up or my hearing's getting bad. I think Gerald Morris mentioned it in his uh, yeah. review. Yeah, a lot of people have said it though. <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> well, have said what was your what was your what was your favorite visual rugs? Ah oh, man, um, if I'm uh, to think about it, I I don't know if I really like um, all these like freeze frames that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you the mentioned that thing. when we first reviewed the I other one. I feel like right? I, but I do feel like. Uh, the jerkiness wasn't as much of a problem. It was. It seemed more fluid in a lot of parts. Yeah. So whatever they did, if they did do it the same, maybe they did it better this time. Uh, it wasn't as jarring, but it's possible that since I've seen uh, Into the Spider Verse many times, that I'm just used to it now. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, visually, I think uh, that. Mumbatton was pretty crazy. Yeah, it was, and yeah. 
I thought that was like very well drawn. I love the way he was stylized. And um, there's that scene where all the Spider-Men are, which I feel like they leaned on that Spider-Man pointing into that Spider-Man. They, they already that, did that joke. They did that meme again with all the Spider-Men. It's yeah, they funny. did that again. And I was like, they didn't need to do that. But like, yeah, it was nice to see like a lot of these familiar costumes. Uh, some of them I don't know because they're dance slot costumes, but like uh, some, mean, of them's, some of them are older. And I like the one with the paper bag on his yeah, head. Yeah, bombastic you know, bag man. Every fucking Spider-Man from every video game, every cartoon. Uh, yeah, I even saw somebody get, have a screen grab. Remember the pop Spider-Man popsicle you would get from the ice cream truck? Yeah. Apparently it's there floating with all of them as they're. So <laughs> the the character that I was really psyched to see, but was poorly done was Ben Riley, And he was drawn in the Tom Lyle style. Yeah, like, yep. Legit yep. like ink for ink. Tom Lyle's inks in there. And uh, they just did him so dirty. I mean, I think I, part of me. What, why did they? What, yes. What's um. Was what style was that? Was just from a specific comic? Because he was also he also stood out as like, yeah, whoa, Tom this is completely Lyle different. Drew like uh, a large portion of these uh, the Ben Riley books, Spider Clone yeah. uh, series. Yeah. Got it. And uh, Scarlet Spider when he was wearing like the red costume with the blue hoodie, and uh, yeah, he was known for like that really heavy, like almost '90s style inking. Yeah, it's yep, very, yep, very it '90s. Now. And I mean, I thought it was kind of funny where they made him emo, and he's just narrating everything. He's like, "I'm crushing your head with my flex biceps. I'm here now. I'm looking over here now." He's just all like weird. They kind of made him a joke, but he's uh, he's part oh, of. Oh, he the was team. definitely a joke. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the, the only thing that I find that very weird is that in this universe of thousands and thousands of Spider Men. They're all inept, I guess, except for like the ones that we're talking about here. I mean, like Pav didn't really have. Uh, he's only been Spider Man for six months, dude. I love that you, that you heard some Urdu in there where he's like "chalo chalo." The whole chai tea <laughs> conversation is hilarious. He's like oh, yeah, chai tea, it's, bro. You keep your, it's you're saying tea tea. It's like me. it's like saying non bread. It's bread bread. That's <laughs> great. I love all that. Uh, that was funny, uh, and I love how like it's written in Hindi. Like the words, the 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 that make the sounds in that universe are written in Hindi. Uh, that whole fucking scene was fantastic. So, well, speaking of just that and just cameos. Oh yes, I, I thought they really. I enjoyed seeing the video game and the yep. different Spider Man, and I I thought for the most part they handled well putting in um like the live action cameos. Like I actually was like, oh, this is. It doesn't distract too much. It's like, oh, there it is. Well, there's- if you watched everything everywhere all at yeah. once, that it seems like okay, they took a page from also, that or there, something. Also, there's a bagel incident in this movie, and everything everywhere all at once also features a bagel as a metaphor for like the multiverse, which I think is interesting. I think that's a, uh, you I'm, hit the guy with the bagel yeah, spot yeah, with the that bagel was spot. Uh, but it- did you catch the uh, the live action cameos and run yeah let's talk about let's talk about the live action cameos childish gambinos in there we got Do- donald glover mcu aaron davis as the prowler yeah. yep that's pretty crazy Couple times twice yes he comes back again and he's staring at him that one's crazy and then when they're going over the canon events i just love the this design and the that whole web space because yeah they show you toby uh toby peter they show you andrew garfield peter but then there's also shots from like comic books that I know and love. Panels. No Nicholas yeah. Hammond though. I know. Where's 70 Spider Man? What the fuck? They did do they also had a Venom cameo. 
Yes. Where and the, yes. The, the, uh, the convenience Mrs. store. Mrs. Chen, when he's jumping yeah. around. That's right. Universes, he pops into the Venom universe. So they had the Sony universe. They had the MCU universe. Uh, nods to great panels. Spectacular Spider-Man was great. I love the 60s Spider-Man that was just swinging at him. And he's like, I'm about to. Oh, I just missed you. And he just swings by because he's not animated well. He's just like frozen <laughs> in time. Uh, the, just so many things. Like, oh, I can't even go through all the fucking cameras. These Spider-Man are fucking fantastic. Spider-Cat, the fucking horse. Like, it, it was crazy. Uh, and the live action shit was great. But seeing pages from books that I own, the Gwen Stacy, Captain Stacy moment, all these things was was fantastic. Like, they, they did a great job. And, like, it's more than No Way Home. They pushed this multiverse idea oh, way, more. way past No Way Home. But does it bother you that like, like they have to anchor all this stuff in all the other books? Like you're trying to get this new character to stand on his own, and like literally everything is all the uh, basically the whole entire existence of Spider-Man is thrown into it. Well, would you say it's anchoring it, or would you say that they just are acknowledging the entire history and building on it? Well, I think that can you make up other question is can you make a movie without all this shit? that people would watch. I mean, it's, it's not a gimmick here and I can see how maybe he gets sidelined. That's why I hate Dan slot, by the way, (laughs) like write a fucking Spider-Man story that doesn't include all these other fucking, uh, all these other things. I I will acknowledge this. I will say that I've come around on this, that by throwing all these characters in here and then they're all somewhat a little inept, it just make they're basically just saying, well, Miles is just better than everybody. Is more special, like because like no one can catch him, no one. Yeah, and he's supposedly the youngest yeah, one, right? Yeah. So like they are in in some ways they are. If you are looking at it this way, you could say they're shitting on every Spider-Man to make him the best. Yeah, they're not. But the thing is, like, they don't. That only happens when you have them to compare. Right. Like if he's in his own universe doing his own, like at the end of, uh, into the Spider Verse, he's Spider-Man. Yeah, he could fight his own people. He yeah. could get his own girlfriend. He can do he have his own cast of characters that right. he that they could do. But they keep going back to this other stuff, and I'm like, and and, it, and all it does is make you do these comparisons. Wonder can it stand on its own? And like, why? And that's like a Dan Slott thing that like he didn't he wasn't <laughs> confident enough in writing his own fucking Spider Man story, so he always had to fucking do like a million Spider-Men. Like it was always, you know, introducing more and more spider characters. Yeah. So I always felt like they, it was a weak crutch for him to do that. So uh, that's kind of uh, always in the back of my mind when I'm watching these movies, when they, I, I, I feel like it's eventually going to be a great trilogy. If you're a spider fan, I think so, but I don't know if it stands apart with the same kind of, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, Peter Parker was just a thing that happened in the 60s yeah. that stood the test of time and just kept on building his own rogues gallery. There was nothing else to pull from. And I just have the utmost respect for that. And I'm, and I'm trying to create a space in my heart for Miles to step in, but I, I, I'm always getting slapped in the face of Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of what makes this more refreshing to audiences is that it's not Peter Parker again, because I just think, look, the multiverse seal had been opened that everything was heading that way. I don't think it's a crutch. I, cause it, the, the, the idea is what is a Spider-Man mean amongst all the spider people? The ones, right. How do you stick out? And at, at the same time, 
Miles is at the heart of the story. It is a coming of age story for him. It is a uh, a, a story for the parents to learn to let go. You parallel a that of st- parallel with Gwen, with Gwen and her father, absolutely, uh, and th- that both ties in. And then you know that moment at the end where he finally does tell his mom, only he doesn't realize he's in the wrong fucking universe. It's hilarious because she's like, "What is that?" And then it hits you. But I still think Miles' story is is anchoring this. Yeah, what this do whole you story. think? Well, if we're going to get a little bit meta on this, like, what do you think Spider-Man represents, like, other than a superhero that is it just an allegory for life mm. of, like, you have to, you can't just do whatever you want. You Sometimes you have to take a hard road. And right. sometimes things are going to back you into a corner. And sometimes you're going to have to, like, disappoint people. And let, I think let, that those let, are let the things. Let him things. run marinade on it. I'll answer first after you're done. Sorry. No, go ahead. I mean, I mean... Do you have your own person? Like, I have, I could go on forever about it, but like, I feel like that Spider Man's pretty meta about all of that stuff. It's, it's about being a kid. It's about being a person. It's about wrestling with life and life mm-hmm. it, it, it dump shit on mm-hmm. you. And right. it doesn't even matter if you're great at something. You're, you're if, if you're going to be a good person, it comes at a cost. Right. Like, if you're going to be a dick, you can be a dick all day long. You can be J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. And just but, not yeah. care about anybody and just do what you need to do for your own ends. Like you'd be like a, you know, a, a selfish asshole. Uh, Spider-Man's a great character. I don't love him as much as Imran and you, but I, I do really appreciate the character. I think for me, Spider-Man is a character that he's basically a hero. This could have happened to anybody. Like I never liked in the amazing Spider-Man universe with Garfield that they were like, Peter was always destined to yeah, be that's Spider-Man. Dumb. Like this, this was a chance thing that happened to this boy that just happened to have a good heart and what in the the whole like Ben, Uncle Ben thing, like with great power comes great responsibility. Like, or they talk about how, um, bad things always happen. Like bad shit happens before good stuff happens with him. Like he, he is just an allegory for just dealing with life and being a kid and all that stuff. So yeah, that's what I think Spider-Man means. And I think um, so far with Miles's character, whether it be in the movies or in the comics, I think they're nailing a lot of that stuff where he doesn't have to do exactly what Peter's doing, but he's just another kid that got dealt this very, very heavy hand. Yeah, he's he's dealing with it. with it on a different level. He's right. dealing with like these universes colliding, you know, right. and, and all this weird stuff. So it's it's it, it it it's it's more grandiose. I would. Well, he's say. also. I mean, but they can also make it very small, like with the first one, where it's just his uncle Ben was Uncle Aaron, and his uncle Aaron was a fucking villain, and he didn't yeah. know it. And I think that works great because, like, that's he's not like this perfect person. He was just this guy that he really liked, and really liked him, right? And, and they liked. They, loved, they, were very, they respected each other, and they liked each other, and and just didn't. And he realized, oh fuck, he was a bad guy, right? So there, there's a flavor to that, and I, I do like that about this character. That's one of the things that makes him stand apart. Yeah, but and I like that he has parents that love yeah. him, but like, but like you know that his dad is this is this paragon of the community, and it's like if he were to die, that's that'd be even re- really. I mean, that's too much. I I don't know about killing his dad. I well, think his that's dad a weird... is basically his Captain Stacy, yeah, though, right? Yeah, yeah. So doesn't he have to die? Yeah. That's the question the movie's asking, right? 
Yeah, and Gwen kind of learns that this fate doesn't have to happen. And as her father decides not to take the promotion, like that's one way out. That's not going to break the multiverse. It is a, a canon event is disrupted. Uh, but just a real quick on that Gwen thing. I really love the scene when he tells her, she tells him that he's Gwen. Yeah. Or he's, she's Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's like, I got to arrest you. Yeah. And he's like, you put your hand <laughs> yeah, behind your back. Like, really? He's just like, still fuck. like, all right. Uh, yeah. I, that's, I got to do my duty as a cop. Yeah. And similar to how uh, Miles's dad was chasing him in the first movie. He thought he killed his, uh, the, the prowler. Right. So that, and it's interesting that he chooses to reveal himself to his mom first, but man, there those those relationships like the mom was so good. It was so real. Oh, the speech she gives oh. to him about being his little boy, yeah. being a little boy and not but having to he's not a little boy, but he has to watch out for himself now cuz his mom won't always be She's there. Gotta like, let oh, go. man, that's good. She's got to learn to let go, but it was so authentic. It seems so sincere. What about the conversation that he has with his dad I love it. as Spider-Man? Yes, it's so great. He's like, <laughs> "Do you want to talk about it?" He's, and then he mumbles. He's like, maybe you should get off his ass. He's like, what'd you say? What? Well, nothing. What? The, the, all those things ring Peter to me, which yeah. is it's great. Yeah, yeah. Like Peter would do that, yeah. too. So back to like, what does it mean to be Spider-Man? It is all those things. It's a balance of life and that it doesn't mean that good shit is still going to happen to you. It doesn't mean that you will be applauded for doing good things. You have to do it despite oh, any yeah, kind of recognition. Point. That's also what it means to be Spider-Man. And uh, yeah, you have to do you have to do good when no one's watching when when all of New York hates you. And right. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a curse and a gift always at the same time. Uh, he can't some escape would say that. more so of a curse. Yeah. Yeah. For his personal life, a curse for the well, New York gift. Raimi made it true to the comics. Uh, the MCU version didn't get there till the very end. Yeah, right. right. Uh, until until the uh, last movie, but here I think they're getting it earlier on, which is better. Yeah. So Miles works better than MCU Spider Man, if you ask me. So yeah, I'd say that's fair. I also love how J.K. Simmons plays Jonah in every universe. That's fucking just keep it that way. It's fucking <laughs> just keep it the same. Fucking fantastic. Uh, I loved it. so that. There's a funny thing about that when he goes to the Lego universe. That mm-hmm. that was kind of funny. Apparently. This 14-year-old kid on YouTube did a recreation of the uh, Cross the Spider-Verse trailer in Lego. It caught the attention of Lord and Miller, and he was actually asked to help direct and animate parts of that part of the movie. It's fucking 14-year-old kid. I was like, oh, shit, that's a fucking, that's a big moment for that kid. Uh, Would you, um, so what, when we got to the twist at the end where he's in yes. the Earth-42 universe. Yes, yes. The other miles, because that this now that it basically takes the movie in another direction. Yeah, right. Yeah, like now we have a whole new thing, and then it ends. Obviously, um, what did you think of the twist? I mean, so he's now in the world without a Spider-Man because this Correct. is what happened because of Spot taking out Spider Forty Two, and and I love how like everything's green and it seems very dystopian and fucked up, and I I think that's really clever uh, that. Miles is the prowler and he's stuck there uh, while Gwen is trying to assemble this team to get him. What they did story wise, and so they took the third act yeah. of a movie yeah. and basically said, no, this isn't the third act. This is just a second, second act. Because <laughs> now the movie 
Yeah. It's basically it's sp- now we're still in the middle of a big movie. Yeah, it's split in two. Because you, you've, it was you've now completed It was such an awkward. I mean, it is a great cliffhanger if you think mm-hmm. about it, but like it just all it just the momentum is get going so fast at that point. Yeah, so you yeah. think about it. Yeah. This is like he just he just fucking gets away from Miguel. Yeah. Tells him I'm gonna do my own thing. Tells his mom he's Spider Man. Tells and then he then okay, so you're like, okay, you could end the movie right there. He goes and does his own thing, gets away, and blah blah blah, and they're done. But then he has this whole other scene where he tells his mom, yeah. then his uncle comes, then then they have this finds out that his dad is dead. Did he find out that his yeah, dad is dead? Yeah, because there's a mural of his dad instead of his uncle in that and, spot. And, and then he finds out that he's the prowler. Well, then he gets knocked over the head and tied up yeah. to a duffel bag, well, kind of like Peter also B. Also, keep in mind that he was racing to get to his dad before Spot did. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Spot has showed up in the other universe right outside their apartment. So no, it, it, it was jarring. And, and yeah. to that point, yeah. Ruggs, like my rating on this movie could completely change if the next movie sucks. Yeah. Because you've basically said yeah. this is a two part movie. Yeah. This is not a, this is not these aren't separate movies anymore. Right. These are they feel like, yeah, you, you have to now watch the next one. You can't stop here. No, you can't. It's, I would imagine having not seen Kill Bill that this is what Kill Bill is like. Maybe not. I, I know Kill Bill has a better resolution. Kill, had, at no, the end it, of Kill that. Bill one has an ending and then it just picks up. No, this, this isn't an ending. This is like the end of an episode. It is but they kind did a of two and a half. Hour it is episode. kind of a TV show cliffhanger style, you know, next week, like a Batman 66 thing. Leaving him in peril. Like the way that you would, uh, like a normal way of doing this is that you have like a big bad, like a really big bad, which you do with the spot, I guess. Yeah. And then, but you you beat the guy, the second hand guy. That's not the spot, but the second hand guy, and that's actually like attacking you. And then you still have to deal with the the spot, right? So. I guess Miguel is the person that's the second big bad, and he he did it. But for some reason, he's still not out of the picture. No, he's not. No, so, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I think you would. What you would do is you'd have him beat the spot. But by beating the spot and saving his dad, he's caused a ripple effect that now pisses off Miguel even more, and it puts the whole universe in more chaos. Yeah, like it instead just, they introduced a a whole other I mean, yeah i mean when the going to earth 42 yeah. is like at the 11th hour yeah. is like a whole different thing now and the thing is that the momentum was just so building yes. so fast to just a so it's like you have to peter it out you have to like kind of ease it into a nice landing that's a, yeah. that a great scene at the end though his escape and his trick of getting everyone to follow him uh in the fucking train scene and the conversations right. was fucking that was great I mean, I did have, I will say I had goosebumps when you realize that Gwen is putting back the band from the first team, yeah, from the yeah, first movie yeah, together. Yeah. And you see Spider-Noir yeah. and Spider-Ham and, and yeah. Peter B. Parker's out of his little funk. Yeah. Yeah. He, I was like, oh, they're doing like a whole Avengers Spider-Man thing where it's like now these Spider-Men versus Miguel's Spider-Man and then all the other shit, all the other factors. You add in Spider-Punk and Pav and Ben Riley's with them, I think. And Is he? I don't think Ben Riley. Or maybe Miguel had a team that he no, took. No, Ben Riley is Ben Riley is there at the end. Is he? Uh, I thought he was with Miguel's team. Maybe I think not. Miguel makes a team and Gwen makes a team at the end. And Gwen makes her own. I thought the Gwen's team was, was the her, whole crew. Yeah. Peter B., yeah. Noir, yeah. Ham, and Hovey. Oh, and Spider-Punk. Yeah. Yeah. I thought. But maybe you might be, you might be right. They might have had more. I don't know. That's a good question. 
And is there? He might. He might. He might be. You know, you might be right. He might be with uh, Miguel. I think he's on Miguel's side still. So they're trying to stop him. Is there a Peter Parker in Earth Forty Two? I can read it right now. Gwen assembles a team of Spider people, considering consisting of Peter B. Yeah. Mayday. I don't know who Mayday oh, is. Oh, that's that's the baby. That's the baby. Oh. Yeah. Paviteer. Spider Man India. Hobie. Okay. Margo. Spider Man Noir. Penny Parker and Spider. Spider Ham. That's okay. So that's the original crew. So Jessica, Spider Man, Ben Riley traveled to Earth six one six in search. Oh, they went to the other place in search of Miles. Jessica Drew, Spider Girl, and Ben Riley. Is Silk in this? Uh, no, there was no, no. Silk. Oh, that's interesting. I will but, come around. I've come around, Rugs. I think the ending is is almost kind of lazy. <laughs> they just like end it right well, there. Look, like the movie's a good movie. <laughs> we'll see you and next all year. Sudden, like you're like, whoa. See you and, next year. Yeah. <laughs> so like, listen, like I knew that it was going to end, like because I was checking my watch, mm-hmm. but the people in the theater were like. What the hell? Oh, I, w- I was the same way. I was like, wait, what the fuck just happened <laughs> I, here? Maybe I was a little bit mad when that happened. I was like, no, keep going. Yeah, well, yeah. It but was just whatever. Jarring. I don't know if I was mad. I was just like, whoa, what just? Oh, my God. There's a there's a two. These are two different. Movies. I forgot. These are now one big this movie. This is the second part. Yeah, I, it, it just it just knocks it a point down for me. Like, yeah, it just did. It just it just I still enjoyed the movie. I still enjoy what they were doing with Miles. I was just like. There was just little things that bugged me about like Spider-Man in general, like how he's always inept in, in these movies. And why is he in these movies? Mm-hmm. And uh, how Miles could need, needs to kind of not be involved with all this multiverse stuff. You mm-hmm. know, it kind of like it doesn't help his character that much as much as people think it does. And um, but I like the movie. I liked a lot of it. I liked a lot, a lot of this movie. Ma- I even like the fucking the fucking renaissance vulture oh i like that whole That'll, that whole first scene is great <laughs> that whole first uh in a guggenheim yeah, is pretty yeah, cool yeah. the opening scene of with the drums and the score with the uh when she's playing the drums that whole bit's great and when she fights the yeah the renaissance vulture is is awesome because you see like leonardo da vinci like writings around his uh when he uses his weapons and it's just an amazing look again flat on parchment paper this thing is animated you see Ultimate Spider-Man or Spider-Man Unlimited. Uh, Spider-Man Unlimited is in there. You see all of them. I like them. that Peter was in this universe, the lizard, too. Yes, that and that's straight from the, the Spider-Gwen comics, her her Peter. Okay. Yeah, it's a good introduction to Spider-Gwen. Yeah, yeah. uh, she got a lot of screen time. It's almost She's almost in, this, uh, in the main focus as much as my I think she needed the backstory because she is an important like because it's the only other person that's going to understand what he's kind of going through that he knows that he can't even talk to so that whole scene where they're swinging around and flirting and he's following her hanging upside down does she leave her universe to go to miles's universe forever like in the comics i don't know i don't remember well i did have a question about the only one thing that kind of bugged me i love the scene where they're sitting upside down looking at the skyline but i'm like the, the gravity still works, though. What are these physics? Like, how do you just sit down and now, like, you, you, her hair is down. It's just a little it bugged me. Her hair mean? was up. Her, I mean, her, her hair, hair was hanging, but they're like, their arms should be like, you know, falling the other way. But they're just sitting like they're sitting up. I mean, I get what they were doing, but I was like, eh, what happened to gravity? I mean, yeah, yeah, her hair is hanging the right way, but and their face kind of looked, but it was just weird. Like your butt also sticks to the fucking thing. Like what's happening? Hey, they got magnetic ass. They got a magnetic <laughs> ass. But it's a beautiful moment of them kind of, you know, 
talking to each other and just hanging out. Uh, a couple other things I loved the uh, the bleeding from the armpits joke that they repeated. That was that, that was, was kind of funny. I love how they throw in like the editor's note caption boxes here and there to make it look like a comic. Right. Uh, the art jokes in the beginning were kind of funny. They repeat a joke. First of all, the Jeff Koons thing. You know who Jeff Koons is, Anthony? No. He's this modern artist. And, you know, that big dog uh, sculpture that looks like a balloon animal, but it's like a giant sculpture. He That's his piece. It's actual Jeff Koons piece. Mate, it's metallic. Mm. But when they cut it and there's like little ones in there, the one guy goes, oh, that's cool. Was like, that's pretty funny. And then when he webs, they web the helicopter. You hear a guy go. Yeah, I think it's a Banksy, which was they did that joke. And as it's falling, as it's him, falling yeah. out of it's like, it's a Banksy. They did that. There Banksy was a lot of the there was time. a lot of little lines that I caught. Yeah. that just don't remember or might have missed where they throw in a little clever. Yes. Did they reuse like the Banksy? Line? Yeah, the Banksy line was in the first movie, too. When the thing starts glitching in the universe, when they start meshing. Oh, because, man, they yeah, keep using the same joke. They, they did. I thought it was a funny joke. And then I'm like, wait a minute. They did reuse this one. No, there was a lot of lines. So bleeding from the armpits they used before. They used that one before. They said it twice in the in this. No, I one. think it's because he has a new costume. Yeah, he's got the red like down the side. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Punk had some great lines where they're trying to stop the spot. And he's like, they, everyone's like, we don't think you're a joke, right, fellas? Everyone's like, no, no, no. And you hear Spider-Punk go, I don't believe in comedy in the background. <laughs> Just there's so many like throwaway lines that were that were kind of funny. Uh, yeah. What else? Anything else? They just just fucking. I don't know. I think we've beat this movie into the. Do ground, you think that Gwen her. and Miles are going to hook up like they do in the comics? I mean, they. Yeah. Yeah. They. I mean, yeah, I, they're building towards that. I did love Pav's little narration. He's like, I can feel the tension. Will they? Won't they? He's like, somebody loves you. Yeah. I think. I think they're <laughs> they're they're leading up to that. Uh, also now I have another question. Yeah. Yeah. Now Gwen is a drummer in the Mary Jane. Correct. With Mary Jane. Is Mary Jane. Was Mary Jane there? She was there in the band. Yeah. She was on on guitar or bass or one of them. Okay. That her Mary Jane is not the Mary Jane. Same Mary Jane as the Spider-Man's Mary Jane. No, it'd be Parker's Mary Jane. No, because it's different universe. It's her universe is Mary, Mary Jane. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah. Oh, uh, last thing. Uh, while promoting this movie, Amy Pascal did kind of say that they are kind of in the process of uh, bringing Miles uh, to live action. Uh, but all she said is when asked about Miles making the jump to live action, you'll see all of it. It's all happening sooner than you expect. Uh, and a Spider Woman solo movie. I guess they mean, I think Gwen. Gwen spinoff would Gwen. be good. Yeah. yeah. That's Spider Woman. Uh, oh, Spider Women. Oh, Spider Women. Spinoff focusing on three gender generations of female spider related oh. characters, including Spider Gwen, Jessica Drew, and Cindy Moon Silk. Oh, there's Silk. Live action? Is that live action? No. I mean, I I, will so. we see who the father of Spider Woman's baby is? It's funny that she was pregnant. That can't be. I, was it Miguel's baby? No, I don't know. I thought because in the comics, Jessica Drew, doesn't she get knocked up by Luke Cage? It's Jessica Jones. No, that's Jessica Jones. No, Jessica Drew is also pregnant in the comics. I don't know who Luke the father is. Luke Cage can't is. be fucking both Jessicas. Yeah, he He's just goes gotta, after. Gotta be one or the other. He just goes <laughs> after a uh, chick named Jessica. That's all. Uh, but I wonder if that's going to be a thing and if we'll meet any. I mean, how many more Spider-Man can we meet in the next one? 
There's a lot of spider women too, you know. Yes. Yes, they are. There's like at least, I'm going to say 10. That's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. All right. Let's wrap it up. Let's rate the movie. Rank it amongst the spider movies. I guess maybe Anthony, where are you putting this? What are you going to give it? Uh, it's a little bit unfair. I would say I liked it more than the first one, but I haven't watched the first one in a while. So if I, if I watch the first one, maybe I'll like it more than this one. I'm going to go with, I think Ruggs had a lot of fair points. He almost convinced me uh, to knock it down a little lower, but I, I really, really did enjoy the movie experience. I was pretty immersed in it. And when you throw in the, the, I thought the story was very solid. I thought the way they wrote the characters, the emotion, was all there, the heart, and then you throw in uh, just the amazing animation and great soundtrack. It's just a very immersive experience. I would not, I would almost equate it to when I, when we watched Avatar, just, uh, it's like just that immersive uh-huh, of an experience uh-huh. where you're just lost in yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Um, this rating could go down mm-hmm. or up mm-hmm. based on the next film because of the way they set it up, mm-hmm. but I think it's a nine out of 10. Oh, shit. Nice. Um, I'm taking away a, half a point for the audio and half a point for uh, the abruptness of the ending. But mm-hmm. if the next movie is awesome, then I'll forgive the ending and make it a 9.5. And if it's not awesome, then we'll see what happens from there. Okay. Okay, that's fair. And then uh, as far as like Spider-Man movies in general, where does it where does it sit with you? I, I don't really like ranking animation across from live yeah. action. The reason for that yeah. is you can do so much more. Like... Yeah, you just can't do the things they're doing. With, you can get away with so much that, more in animation. Yeah, they're like there's, they're, it's just much more of a visually arresting thing with the, with the, what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rules completely so, change. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's just it's just mm. a different. Mm. I, I think I think animation. I can see why people rate them together, but I just I don't think they're the same. That's fair, the same like because you could not. I mean, they're using the medium to its fullest potential. There's no way you could fucking do a lot of this shit in live action. It would cost fucking right. millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Uh, look, I I like it. I like it's almost tied with the first one, maybe a little bit more just because of them taking it uh, to the next level. And uh, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a nine also. Uh, but as far as the Spider-Man sequel, like I almost I kind of want to put it up there with like Spider-Man Two, no way home. This across the Spider-Verse. Uh, some of some of the best shit spider-man shit but in a lot of ways this this story is a lot more interesting than much of the live action spider-man but that it's simply because of the fact that it is an animation i think where the live action spider-man they kind of do the same thing over and over again they try to change it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but just it's fucking it's just a fucking interesting take and an interesting way to uh, approach the Spider-Man mythos. So, okay. Rugs, what are you going to get? I think I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. Okay. Uh, which is respectable. Uh, usually if I like a movie uh, and I give it, a, I'll give it a seven. If I like it a little bit more, I'll give it an eight. Uh, so I, it, it's something I, I enjoyed. I uh, think that the art style can be, a little much sometimes they're trying a little too hard sometimes and it's oh it's like an overload sensory overload and i would like to appreciate some of the stuff they're doing a little bit more like pull out every once in a while mm. like let me get some establishing don't mm-hmm. always like jam everything into my face mm-hmm. um 
So I, I think that they could maybe use a little restraint. Uh, there's a lot of things coming at you. Yeah, there's, they're, they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink yeah. and then doing it again Yeah, uh, with this movie. But with that said, with, you know, the, the volume problems and uh, kind of allegorical problems or questions and the, the abrupt ending, even with all of those things, I still think that Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse are better than anything the MCU has put out. Even yeah. No Way Home. Absolutely 100%. I can see that. It's way more creative. Yeah. It takes more risks. Yeah. It's more true to the source material. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it has the spirit of Spider-Man in it. So uh, It's not Disney-fied. It's what it is. No, it's not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to put it above MCU Spider-Man. Wow. I mean, I you know, that's a solid point. These two movies are more the essence of Spider-Man than those MCU movies. Uh, absolutely. The soundtrack's great, too. I was rocking the soundtrack with the, what's this, Metro Boomin. Do you know them, Anthony? Metro? Oh, yeah. He's not, that's not a them. That's a one guy. Oh, it's one guy? Yeah. He did the, yeah, he did, he did most of the tracks good. here. It's good. It was good. Very good. I mean, it's no Sunflower and uh, What's Up Danger. That from the first movie was also fantastic. Sunflower is a great song. Sunflower is a great song. But I did like, I did, I mean, I like the chill vibe of the soundtrack. Like, it very much fits this yeah. Miles Spider Man. But it wasn't just hip hop, it was like synth shit. Yeah. It was all yeah. kinds of weird well, stuff. Well, the score was also, like, the drum part in the score is fantastic. The score and the soundtrack, the music is both really, really well done uh, and perfect for the movie. Uh, all right, good stuff. Let's find out what our listeners thought about the movie in News from the Nation. It's time for News from the Nation. It's time for News from the Nation. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. A lot of great comments, a lot of great reactions from our listeners in the Facebook group, Jock and Nerd Nation. Blake Braden said, loved it. I fucking loved it. Love the art style, love the story, the callbacks to previous films. This is how a multiverse story should be told. It did at some points feel slow, but there was always something in the background to keep me actively watching. The ending, however, felt like a TV show ending. The difference is with the TV show ending, I only have to wait a week. That will sustain the hype. You got to wait a whole year. I was going to see it even with the cliffhanger. Infinity War, Fast X. I just don't know how I feel about those movie cliffhangers that feel like TV show endings. Hmm, interesting. Joe Henry says, I will say it's been a while since I got a perfect film. My only minor gripe was the occasional shots of stuff in the foreground or background, which were out of focus. But story, voice acting, music, action, 10 out of 10, amazing. Bruce O'Hughes says, I enjoyed it, but the pacing was unexpected. I appreciate the time spent on conversation and overall mood setting, but at certain points I became aware that we were just sitting on a wide shot of two cartoon characters looking at a skyline. Yeah, I mean, you got to slow down every now and then. Set the <laughs> Jose El Gonzalez says, I love the movie, and I don't know if it was just me, but I felt at certain points throughout the film the music was louder and was hard to make out what they were saying. See, everybody was saying this. Jess Rivera says, watch Thursday and had the playlist bumping on Friday. Second watch on some boomers Saturday and still loving every minute of it. What do you think boomers are? Is that upper, downer? What is that? Boomers? Or is it, or is it actually people from uh, the boomer generation that he took with oh, him? Oh, yeah. I thought he was saying the bo- but now I don't know what that means. I think he says second watch on some boomers. He was on some boomers. 
Yeah, he was taking Viagra. I want boomers. Oh. Is that what it was? Uh, again, go see this movie late. You'll have a great time. I want boomers. Jamie Robinson, who is Mr. Throwback Thursday from the Mr. Throwback Thursday podcast, said, rock him with production by DJ Premier in the first 10 minutes. Please and thank you. The Donald Glover Spider-Man homecoming version of Uncle Aaron showing up as an anomaly. Well played. Andrew Garfield cameo bonus. Great film. So he loved all that stuff. And then Robbie Spliff Dog Maze just says, I really like the movie, but I did yawn a few times because of the length. Well, make it have been the spliff, my friend. He has the best name. You got that spliff. <laughs> I see. I didn't think it was too long. I wanted it to keep going. I was like, just keep going. I could take it. But that's me. That's me. Okay. We watched that. Let's finish up with some other. What are we watching? Anybody watch anything interesting? Anthony? I did not, unfortunately, okay. this week. Rugs, you got anything? I, I started watching... Uh, the Ultraman TV show, oh. and I watched all of Better Call Saul. Oh, you caught up on that, did you? Oh my God, what a fucking ending to that! It was, it ended abruptly. <laughs> <laughs> See, sometimes that happens. Yeah, but uh, I gotta say, about Better Call Saul is I had to wait so long for it to come out on Netflix so I could watch it. Yeah, and uh, it was worth the wait. It was great, uh, great, just overall great writing on that show and. It, they had a lot of cameos from, from uh, uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Nice. So nice, nice surprises there. It, it's a little bit jarring to see uh, Jesse Pinkman uh, being played by someone who's in their late forties now. <laughs> yes, but, but this is supposed uh, to be before. It's still, it's a little weird. And yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely ha- happy I saw that and uh, watched a little bit of the new uh, Ultraman series. Okay, season three. Yeah, looks pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm liking it. So, uh, speaking of endings, the the weekly shows I watch all had decent to really good season finales. Yellow Jacket season two finale was okay. The season was kind of uneven. It was kind of weird. It was okay. It was pretty good. Ted Lasso season finale, possible series finale. I did love that. Very emotional. I thought that was good. And then fucking Dave. Dave had a wild season finale. The whole season. You love that show. The show is fucking great. It's it's really good. It's kind of like Bubkiss. It's like Dave does a semi-autobiographical thing where he's Dave and there's actual celebrities uh, that are in the show. But this season has been really great. And the season finale had some fantastic cameos and some fucking crazy shit. Uh, I did catch up on the Bourne uh, Ultimatum. Is that? No. Which one are we supposed to watch? Ultimatum. It is Ultimatum. Right. Yes. Um a weird note about that. It was first free on Amazon Freebie at the end of May, and I started watching it there, and I didn't finish, and then it flips to June 1st, and I go back to like Amazon, and they're like, rent this movie. I'm like, wait a minute. What the fuck is happening? I was just watching this for free. Turns in out- Mid-movie. In mid- yes, and I didn't finish, and I'm like, <laughs> should I rent this just to watch the last fucking 20 minutes? What's going on? Let me take a look. Turns out now, all of the Bourne movies are over on the cock, and oh. so I had to go over there- and finish the movie. I really got to go to the cock. Everyone, you got to go to the cock. I do. I do really like this. Uh, this movie. I love the story. I love the fucking spy cat and mouse scenes. At, the movie makes Matt Damon a fucking badass. But still shaky cam though. It's you a lot think? of shaky cam. Yeah, it's a lot of shaky cam. Great but- movie, but not a great action. Uh, 
direction. I mean, I but say. there's some great like long action sequences and chases and car crashes right. and just the you know trying to lose a tail and the surveillance bit and him being a step ahead. But you can't you see cannot, shit. Can I, what's going on? Yeah. Can I watch the movie without seeing the first two? Um, you 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 can. I I don't remember the first two. I also I think I asked Chat GPT to summarize the first two fucking movies. Uh, okay. But you kind of can. I it it, okay. it, it, it ex- you can, but yeah. you should watch the first Born movie. It's great. Uh, I would. Okay. Uh, you, I don't think you need to watch all the other ones, but yeah. I, well, then the what's his name? Jeremy Renner like is in the last one, right? And they tried to franchise it out, and it didn't really work, and then it just kind of ended there. But no, I I thoroughly enjoyed Matt Damon in in Ultimatum. It's a very good movie. Did I ever tell you guys about the Michael J. Fox documentary? Have I mentioned that on the show? No. You no. you have to watch this. It's on Apple TV Plus. It's called Still a Michael J. Fox story. It's probably one of the best documentaries I've seen in a Do long time. Do they play time. the Dr. Dre song? Uh Still. What Dre <laughs> said. No. It's not it's it's not that kind of movie. Yeah. It is Michael J. Fox and the face of Parkinson's right right there, right in front of you. I I and it goes through his whole career and the fact that at the height of his career he, his fingers start shaking and he gets this diagnosis. And I always love the guy. This movie, you watch it, you love him even more. It'll make you, it made me fucking laugh. It made me cry. It inspired me. Uh, M- Michael J. Fox will, you, you, you see him at his, you go to him with his doctor's appointments. You see him with his physical therapist, literally teaching him how to walk because with the Parkinson's, he kind of walks like he's very drunk. Right. And he'll he'll walk in public and fall down and make a joke. And like this guy is a, he's an amazing person. This story of when he is shooting family ties during the day and at night going to shoot back to the future, getting three hours of rest, waking up the next day, doing it over again for three months is how he shot that movie. And he thought that movie was going to suck, that he was so tired. He would be confused what set he was on. He didn't know who he was. Uh, and the way that that is a fucking it's like a perfect film back to the future. It's a fantastic documentary and he does not shy away from showing you what he's going through. And it's just fucking touching. And yeah, you laugh, you cry, you want to hug him. Ooh. And then you're like, you know what? My life is pretty good compared to all the shit this guy's been through. I shouldn't complain. It's very good. It'll. Yeah, I highly recommend it. That's on Apple TV plus. Crazy. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. Man. OK. All right. That's it for this week, folks. Rugs, where can the listener find you? You can find me on Twitter at ReallyRugBoy. I got a link to that on our website in the episode description. You can find all the ways to support, get in touch. Definitely go there. Most important, best thing you can do, listener, share the show with your spider-loving friends. We'd appreciate it. Spider-Man. Rugs, Stanley, take us out. You know, what I like to do is when I create a character like Peter Parker, I like to give him a bad guy to make him feel bad about himself and a bully. So I made a guy that called him Penis Parker. <laughs> uh, and we'll peep you next time. <laughs> what a lame Flash Thompson. Excelsior. Fucking Penis, penis. Parker. Lame. Talking nerd. <laughs>